just mine. Hey guys, it's Ophi at night. <laughs> start this off by saying it is okay to miss someone who hurt you. Hi, hello, it's Ophi, and January was the longest year of my life. Kind of felt like we were creeping up on January 74th at the end of the month there, but it's fine. It's cool. We made it. It's February, and we're back for episode two. I want today's episode to be more of what you should expect in the future from me as far as episode length, the things that we'll be talking about, just the general feel of everything. I will say I'm still teaching myself how to edit. I've gotten a few porn pornos. <laughs> I'm keeping that. I've gotten a few pointers on how to tweak my audio, um, just things like that. So. I appreciate everybody that's helping me. I appreciate everybody that's super excited. I am too. All the emails are great. All the messages of people telling me what their favorite parts were from episode one. It's awesome. It lets me know that you guys are actually listening and you enjoy it. It makes my little heart happy. Oh, and all the people messaging me about how to start a podcast. I don't know. I'm winging it. I'm raw dogging this right now. It's fun. I will say that. You should do it. But I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I've had a bunch of people ask me to come on their podcast or if they could come on mine. As of right now, like I said a few seconds ago, I don't know what the hell is going on. Okay, I'm winging it. I'm talking to myself in my kitchen late at night. I feel like a crazy lady. I think there's probably a medication out there for people who do these things. But eventually, yes, I would love to be a guest on someone else's podcast and I would love to have people on mine. Someday. I don't know when. Probably won't be anytime soon, but it's a fun idea to entertain. Anyways, I was at Marshall's the other day. Don't know what I went for fish brain can only hold so much. But I found a notebook and I had to have it. I got it. It was on sale. It was like four bucks. Something about me. I like to brag about how much I didn't spend rather than how much I did spend on something. So anyway, I got this notebook and I got it for the podcast. That way I could jot down things that I wanted to make sure I touched base on. It's literally just a bunch of random words. I probably look like a crackhead in here. But it's fine. Maybe I'll upload pictures of what it looks like. This is probably what the inside of my brain looks like. Things are everywhere. I know for episodes that I talk about kind of sensitive topics, I want to put a trigger warning towards the beginning of the episode. And then I want to put a trigger warning shortly before I talk about the topic. Just so everyone has a heads up and no one's thrown off guard. Nobody gets upset. I mean, I'm sure I'll upset people at some point. We're all different. We have different opinions. I have dark humor. I just want to make sure that nobody 
is re-traumatized by anything. So, trigger warning for this episode is for addiction and death. Because those are some of the things I've been dealing with in the last week and a half. But before we get into that, I don't know how many of you have me on Facebook. If you have me on Facebook, you guys know my kids are a trip, okay? They are six, four, and two. My two oldest are boys. My youngest is a sweet little baby girl. And I will tell you their first names not going to delve into last names because that's none of your goddamn business. But my oldest is Riker, my six-year-old. My four-year-old is Miles. And my two-year-old is Vivian, a.k.a. Vivian Mayerson, a.k.a. Vivi LaBam, because she's absolutely insane. So I put Vivian down for bed last night at 8 o'clock. I get the boys ready for bed. I tuck them in. I give them goodnight love. And they're in their beds and ready by like 8.30. So 11 o'clock comes around and I'm thinking, okay, it's about to go down. Like this is, this is my time to shine, okay? And what am I going to do? I'm going to take a bath. You know, the kids are asleep. It's 11. I'm going to get in the bath, have a good time in there by myself. It's going to be quiet, whatever. Get in the bath. And I'm chilling. Tell me why I hear Miles outside of the bathroom door whisper to his brother. Now, Miles is my four-year-old. Miles says, Riker, if mom says go to bed, that means we can watch YouTube. I'm sitting in the bathwater and I'm thinking, this little shit. Okay, so he knocks. And he says, mom. And I say, Go to bed. Because instincts, you know? One, because he needs to go the fuck to sleep. He's got school in the morning. He's being a crackhead. And two, I wanted to hear what he was going to say. I hear him start to walk away and whisper to his brother. He says, yep, I knew it. She said we could watch YouTube. (laughs) Boy's got to be using at least 25% of his brain capacity. He's way too smart. How do you just come up with that? out of nowhere, from nothing, literally two and a half hours after you should be sleeping. But Riker, Riker's a trip too. He is a mama's boy through and through, always has been since he was born. But I picked him up from school yesterday and I noticed he had a piece of paper in his hand and I go, Riker, what do you have? And he goes, well, mom, I have a piece of paper. And I said, well, yeah, I know I see that, but like, what is it? And he goes, Well, a girl gave it to me, and she asked me to be her valentine. I said, oh yeah? Who's this girl, and what's her mother's name? (laughs) But he told me the girl's name, and I said, okay. Well, I pick him up from school today, and as we're walking through this crazy-ass parking lot, I see that he's playing with this bracelet, and I said, Riker, where'd you get that bracelet? And he goes, oh, A girl gave it to me. And I said, okay, was it the girl yesterday? And he goes, nope, it's a different girl. And then he looks at me and he goes, girls like me, mom. (laughs) And I said, well, all right. Oh, I call that sleep bitching. Makes you real nervous and gives you like 
spicy armpits because you don't know if they're going to wake up or if they're just sleep bitching. She's not waking up, so it's just sleep bitching. Anyways, Vivian, tell you a little funny story about Vivian that literally happened today. If you have me on Facebook, you already know. But this little girl, she's not quite ready to potty train yet, but we're working on it, okay? She, I put her down for a nap, and when the boys are at school, she likes to take a nap in her brother's bed, which is fine. I let her do that. Riker's cool with it, whatever. I lay her down for a nap, and I come out to the living room, and I close the door, and I'm crocheting, because I'm an old lady. And it got quiet, and I waited a little bit. I peek through the door to check on her, and she's in bed. She's covered up. Like, to her neck, she's covered up. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna take a nap, too. Hell yeah. I fall asleep. I wake up. She, I wake up to her screaming bloody murder. I jump off the couch. I go in there. She's sitting up, and I notice she has no clothes on. Immediately, no. Bad news bears, immediately, no. So I walk over, and I say, Vivian, what? And then I notice... This little girl, shit in her sleep, no clothes on, no diaper on, shit on her brother's bed. And I'm not gonna lie, I kind of just stood there for a second and looked at her because I didn't know what to do. Do I throw the bed away? Do I throw the bedding away? Do I throw the kid away? What, what, what's the right course of action here? Because nobody, nowhere did I read what to do. If a kid shits in their brother's bed because they took off their clothes and their diaper. So, what I did. Picked her up. Brought her out to the living room. Got her all cleaned up. Got her dressed and everything. And then I go back to the bedroom and I look at it again for a good 15 seconds. As if it was going to look any different or as if it walked away or took care of itself. I don't know. I was trying to find answers. I'm juggling... Do I risk touching it and wash it and take care of it like that? Or is Riker about to get new bedding? The happy ending is that Riker was very excited to see the new Among Us bedding that he got. And he didn't even care about what happened to the Mario bedding that Vivian Mayerson shit all over. So that was the most eventful thing that I did today. I mean, obviously I had to take all three kids to Walmart, which is an event itself. It's literally like going to the fucking zoo, but they were fine. Everything was fine. They got new toothbrushes. They hate the toothpaste that they picked. Love that. For me, I love that for me. It's actually my favorite thing about having kids is when they just demand that they have something and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll give. Like, you've been good. I'll give. And then suddenly, that's not what they fucking wanted. And how dare you give them that? And these are the things that I go through every single day as a parent. And if you're not ready for the most eventful thing that you do all day being cleaning shit off of your son's bed because your daughter decided to get naked in her nap, then just don't have kids. That's why it's not that big of a deal. It's fine. And those are a few good introductions to my kids. That's literally their energy for everything, all the time. 
those few stories about them, yes, that is that is who they are. Riker is very calm, cool, collected. Miles is very smart, sneaky, and slick. And Vivian is just Vivian. She does not give a rat's ass what anyone says or what anyone thinks. And you know what? I love that about her. I'm going to go ahead and claim that she gets that from me. Except I've never shit on someone's bed. I just can't get over that. I will never let that go. That's going to be a graduation party story. I promise. I love you so much, baby girl. But that was foul. (laughs) I don't know if I talked about it in episode one or not with my little about me. But fun fact, I love Call of Duty. I started playing Call of Duty, I want to say COD 4. COD 4 came out, I started quickscoping, moved to Modern Warfare 2, it was it was fun. And video games mean a lot to me, okay? Like, ever since Modern Warfare 2, I think that was a release for me. I met a lot of really cool people. Sometimes I wish I could remember everyone that I used to be so close with that were so far away. I had a lot of really good online friends, and I really don't think any of them know the kind of impact that they made on my life. I still think of a lot of people that I used to game with. And even now, I still think about memories that I had staying up all night and all day, just playing video games with the same group of people. And it felt like it was never ending. And that, honestly, it was so nice for me with what I was going through at that time of my life. Because it might sound silly. Maybe it doesn't sound silly and a lot of people agree with me. Video games helped me get my mind off of reality for a while. Things were not okay at home. Things were not okay at school. Things just were not okay. I was not okay. But when I was playing video games, running around, running my mouth, having the time of my life with the same group of people, it was so nice because I didn't have to think about everything else. And if anybody's out there that I used to run with, Search and Destroy, or playing Headquarters. I miss you guys. I miss you guys a lot. And I do still play Call of Duty. So, like, if there's anybody listening that I used to game with, and we don't really talk now, please, please reach out to me. I have some people that message me on Facebook sometimes, and they're like, hey, do you remember me? And I barely remember names, but I'll ask, like, what was your gamer tag? And they'll tell me. And it just... Everything hits me like a ton of bricks. It's so nice. And there are a handful of people that I still keep in touch with since we stopped gaming. Whether, you know, we grew up or had kids or just started playing with other people. And it's so cool seeing their life on Facebook and keeping in touch because a lot of these people have families now. Like I like I do. I have multiple kids. Multiple kids. Don't do it. But it's really cool because we all kind of grew up together on the internet. And now we are grown up and on the internet. (laughs) And it's wild because now when I play Call of Duty, I run into kids who, you know, I was once their age. But I don't think I was that mean. I will run into these kids and they're running their mouth just so vulgar and I'm thinking like where are your parents I didn't talk like that I mean I was mean but back in my day we called you a pud 
or a noob or like, look at this scrub. These kids out here are assholes and they're mean and I don't like them. And, you know, before I would have been like, all right, cool. 1v1 rust, no radar. I knew the spawn traps. Or, all right, cool. 1v1 scrapyard. Or even I'll 1v2 scrapyard. Bring your boy. I'll shit on both of you. I don't care. But like now, I just want to leave the game. I'm tired of being bullied by your children. Help me. So yeah, growing up, I was an only child. Video games were fun. If I wasn't outside making mud pies or fighting with my cousins, I was probably on video games. And I'm just really glad that I had that outlet going through high school and my teenage years. Because those were some of the hardest years of my life. And this is where I will insert the trigger warning for addiction and death. So if you need to exit the podcast, that's fine. We can hang out next time. Or if you want to fast forward and breeze through, that's fine too. But going through literally my entire life up until high school... I had already gone through so many things that I shouldn't have had to go through. I shouldn't have had to experience as a child. Like, I deserve to be safe, and I really wasn't. And through high school, um, still, I was going through things that I shouldn't have had to go through. And luckily, I wasn't the one that was battling addiction. But as a child, still, I was battling loving an addict. And the addict was my parent. Um, Unfortunately, my parent had met someone who led them into falling into addiction. And I'm completely aware that it was their choice to start as it was their choice to stop. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying this person made them do it. But that is what I was dealing with. And... Being that I grew up with only one parent, and of course my entire family helping raise me, um, I was born when my mom was like 15 years old, quite literally, so she was still a baby when she had me, a baby having a baby. So my grandma helped raise me and my aunts and my uncles, they were a whole team. They were the support system that I wish I had today. And I'm so happy because my aunts and my uncles were more like brothers and sisters to me because we're all so close in age, but so are my cousins. My cousins and I are also close in age that they feel like siblings as well, if that makes sense. And my cousins, you know, we're not the type where like we see each other once a year at a family reunion. Like I see my cousins pretty often or if I don't see them often, I talk to them pretty often. But going back, I watched my entire life crumble because the only person that I knew was a guarantee that I had, no matter what, was no longer there. Physically, emotionally, mentally, that person was no longer there. I was left at home. It felt like this person left and never came back. But the man that she fell in love with did um, lead her in the wrong direction of life. 
and unfortunately, they were both addicts together. The journey was so long. Um, I'm not going to go into extreme detail at this point. But over the last 12 years, a lot has happened between my mom and this person that she met. Which started off very innocent. Um, He was actually living in the basement of the family, helping them take care of their horse farm. They were trying to help him stay sober. You know, giving him a job, keeping him busy, keeping him out of trouble, keeping him out of Toledo, which... As I said, I'm from Ohio and very close to Toledo. That's one of the biggest problem areas literally in America. But yeah, that's what this family was trying to do. And I'm sure my mom was just swept off her feet by him. Just smitten. And she was. The way she talked to me about him. And I had a feeling that he was kind of bad news, but my mom was happy. So I tried to lay off a little bit, but things went downhill, and they went downhill very quickly. My mom went through so many things that come along with addiction, and if you are an addict, you know an addict, or you love an addict, you're the child of an addict, whatever, you know that being an addict doesn't mean the only problem is that this person does drugs. There are so many things that being an addict is like an umbrella term. Like, of course, being the addict is at the very top and that's the problem. But there's so many things that go underneath that umbrella that go along with addiction. Some of those things include like theft or lying to your family or quite possibly being like a full service sex worker to be able to afford your habit or These are all things that can be underneath that umbrella. And of course, the gateway, in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor, but I am someone with common sense, the gateway to all of these things is extremely poor mental health. Or even just poor mental health. It doesn't even have to be extreme. Just everybody's different. But my mom went through all sorts of horrible things with this man. At some point, you have to consider it a trauma bond. You know, they had the highest highs of their life together, but they also had some of the lowest lows of their life. And I know that just from watching. My mom doesn't need to tell me that, or he's never had to tell me that. But I know that just from watching. And while she went through these things, he also went through these things. He was an addict for a much longer time than my mom was. He struggled for a very long time, and I believe she told me it was because when he was younger, he got into a really bad um, car accident, and he his back was really messed up from this accident, and he ended up being prescribed um, opiates. And anyone with an addictive personality, of course, could get addicted to the opiates. Eventually, they become not enough and you need something more and you need more and you need more and it just kind of spiraled from there but after all this time of him battling addiction and him being in and out of jail and in and out of prison because of the crimes he was committing to basically fend for this habit 
unfortunately, he did pass away recently. I found out on my birthday. <laughs> Ain't that bad a bitch. I found out on my birthday. So, January 26th. God was like, hey, I know you just turned 27, but actually, I gotta tell you something. Found out as I was getting ready to get out of my car and go into work. So I get the call and I go into work and I say, you know, I, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go talk to my mom. I gotta go talk to my brothers. And I'm just so tired of getting phone calls of people that I love passing away. Regardless of how they passed away, I'm just so tired of losing people. I've lost so many friends, so many people I care about, but I left and I went home to my mom and to my brothers and I held my brother for a really long time. Of course, he probably doesn't understand and I'm talking about my 10-year-old brother, Michael, and I held my mom because even though this man put her through hell and she gladly stood beside him through hell, she still loved him. And that was still, she was soul tied to that man. I know she was. That was her person. They literally did it all together. Literally. So I held her like a baby. Didn't know what to say. I get awkward when people cry. You know that meme? I think it's a cat or something and it's sitting on a box. It's white and it's got like its hands up in the air like, nah. yeah, that's me when people cry. Because then I cry. And of course, like, even though I watched this man do terrible things to my mom, and even though this man did not very good things, like, to me, I still knew who he was. He was smart. And he was a good dad when he was clean. And he was a hardworking man. And he provided for his family when he was sober and just... Who he was when he was sober was somebody completely different. And I'll never forget in the mornings. <laughs> he loved like ACDC and Guns N' Roses. And in the morning, I will never forget being so annoyed. 5.45, I smell coffee and he's singing, knocking on heaven's door at the top of his lungs. I know it's the top of his lungs because he's being so freaking loud. I mean, he could have been higher than giraffe pussy I don't know but that's just how he was like that's how I knew him he was always happy so that's what I got to do on my birthday <laughs> fun times in the neighborhood like I might be from this really small town that I don't even think it has 10,000 people in it to be honest with you but I've been to the hood I have been I've seen things <laughs> that I wish I would have never had to see I've heard things that I wish I never had to hear. I've been places that I wish I never had to go. But put it this way, I know what parts of Toledo that you should not go to. And I know which parts are okay. Because I've seen them with my eyeballs. And some of that shit is sketchy. One of these times I'll have to pick a couple of stories to tell that, like, at the time, I didn't think anything of it but now I'm like damn that's fucked up 
And I had no business, and I still have no business knowing the things that I know. But I guess that's good, because now I know what not to do. But I also know that there are not many things that my mom would judge me for. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure I could call my mom, and I could come up with some wild-ass story that probably didn't even happen, and she'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah, well, that's interesting. Not much surprises her and not much surprises me <laughs> and it drives me bonkers it drives me b-a-n-a-n-a-s how much people lack empathy and compassion and I can't even say like oh if it was your family member it'd be different because a lot of people don't even care if it is their family member and it, I just can't wrap my head around that but that's a you problem, sis. Sorry. Silly, goofy mood. Not the right time. It's probably fine. Whatever. Anyway, I want to end episode two with a request that everybody keeps my mom and my brothers and their thoughts. If you pray, keep them in your prayers. Send posy vibes. Words of encouragement. You can always email me. It's night at gmail.com. I get the notifications on my phone. Just with words of encouragement or poems, anything that I could screenshot and send to my mom. Or if you can relate, send it my way. Because I know my mom is really struggling. And I know it's going to be really tough for my brothers. Even though they don't really understand now. Eventually they're going to grasp what happened, how it happened, why and they're going to have a lot of questions. And I, I know they're going to be angry. And we're not going to have all the right answers. But we can try. You know? We'll figure it out. I want to try to keep my episodes between 30 and 40 minutes. Because it's literally just me talking to air. With no sustenance at all. Let's do it again. Soon. Until next time, bye-bye.